If you're being ignored, that's a good time to concentrate on finding yourself and creating your own mystery. Like Haley said that. Today, we explore the mystery surrounding the Coca-Cola formula, the imitators, and the war on today's Straight Shot Marketing Podcast. Welcome to Straight Shot. Marketing is everywhere. It's around your life, from what you eat to what you wear and where you go. It is a vital part of any and all business. Let's discuss the world of marketing and business as it influences everyday life with the staff of Atlanta Marketing Agency, Reformation Productions, and guests as they give it to us straight. Get ready. Take aim. Steady. Welcome to Straight Shot. Welcome everyone. Today we continue our series on the lessons from Coca-Cola. We started in the beginning, the creation of the product, hiring Frank Robinson as marketing expertise and changes to the product as a result of competition, the Mariani's French tonic wine Yes. And societal changes, the whole temperance movement slash, what is it, the, uh, whatever, the prohibition thing. Then we discussed the marketing... Ah, uh, the 20s. Ah, uh, the 20s. The roaring, no alcohol 20s. Yeah. Yeah, right. This was actually... I think temperance was actually before that. Yeah, it, temperance it was, was the precursor to the... Yeah, it was more of a religious thing than a um, legal mandate. Well, then we discussed the marketing innovations that were developed and that the company was sold to Asa Candler. Then in part three, we discussed how Candler understood what it would take and dedicated resources to building his company through communicating the company brand. Today, we are going to jump right back into the story and explore some of the challenges that he faced and how he positioned the company for success. So, Zachary, why don't you start us off? Surely. Well, um, no, Jennifer, not Shirley. Uh, sh- surely. There we are. <laughs> um, Candler took ownership of the company. Um, and when he did, he understood two major things. Yes. One is that uh, he needed to establish and communicate the brand, which is huge. It's a huge understanding to have, uh, having been in this industry for a long time. Um, a lot, of, uh, a good portion of my career has been spent explaining to people why they should understand the need for yep. establishing and communicating. And there's their a lot brand. of people out there that don't so understand the idea of branding. He got that. The other thing that he knew is that he needed to have a superior product. So that's what I want to talk about now, the product, specifically the formula for the product. Super mysterious formula. And then how that came to impact the brand. So as a businessman and new owner of Coca-Cola, Asa Candler trusted no one with the formula. He ordered all of the ingredients himself, and then he locked away the purchasing records for it. On the ledger, he actually changed what everything was was called so the accountants would know what it was. Uh, Only he had the key to where the actual records were. Um, Then it's also said that he stored the ingredients in one area behind locked key, right? And then also the mixing of the ingredients was done behind a fireproof door locked key. Uh, He even devised a way to let people know how to produce the syrup, how to mix it, without them knowing what's in it. Wow. So 
That's a little nutty. That sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Like a little obsessed? Well, he what he was doing, it does sound that way, but what yeah. he was doing is he was creating mystery. mystery. So in doing so, his flavored carbonated sugar water would have intrinsic value. Oh. Mystery brought value. Okay, so we had a quote at the top of the show from Likey Lee about mystery. But there are a few more that we gathered here. So let's discuss those quotes on mystery. Sure. All right. Here's another, the first one is from Albert Einstein. Mystery. Oh, what does he know? I know, right? <laughs> He's so overrated. <laughs> mystery is the fundamental emotion that stands at the cradle of true art and true science. The I fact guess. that mystery is an emotion is interesting to me. It, yes, absolutely. That is really interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I don't disagree with it, obviously, Mr. Einstein, but you're not allowed to, <laughs> but, uh, most of the time we think of mystery almost like a noun, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like it's, uh, um, um, something that you buy or something that you make in, in Coca-Cola's case. But the fact that mystery is actually has a more, um, it emotional, an emotional yeah, response. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting. And another one done by the no lesser famous Neil Armstrong Mystery creates wonder, and wonder is the basis of a man's desire to understand. You know, that's true, too. It, it, it Mystery, the whole it's idea heavy. of what's behind the curtain, you know. Mystery is attractive. You know, Prince created mystery uh, about himself in the How 80s. How did I know this was going to come back to Prince? This, um, it always comes back to Prince. <laughs> Not on the show it doesn't, but uh, Prince created mystery about himself in the 80s until he passed away. And he built quite a legacy yes, by putting that People mystery People always on, wanted to know right? more. And then uh, today, Billie Eilish has created mystery as to what she looks like by You're hiding so herself right now. Hiding herself underneath baggy clothes. He's so trendy. If you remember in social media that was a big deal when she was actually caught without baggy clothes on and people oh, she like well, mystery invites intrigue. Intrigue sells product. Mm-hmm. Intrigue motivates. Yes. So mystery is intangible and yet it adds value by creating a sense of excitement and that promise of what could be on the other side it's emotional so mystery creates focus and that focus is on you right and uh, game of thrones used elements of mystery in their worldwide hunt of the throne that we discussed in a newsjacking episode yes that's right where they had people they had people um to, well, mystery uh, also, they did. They had people running all over the place. If you remember in the episode that we did, we actually showed some of where the thrones were found. They had this worldwide hunt that they did. Uh, that was in the newsjacking episode, I believe, mm-hmm. um, that that we did. If you haven't seen it, go back yeah, and look at it. Yeah, people hiding actual thrones um, places. Yeah. The other thing that they did, uh, however, is there was the innate mystery of the next season. What's going to happen next season? Cliffhangers! Right? So, cliffhangers. Not only that, but they would have... Remember they had, we talked about this episode too, they had this block of ice melting that would tell you the date that the next season was going to come out and people watched it for hours. All that was playing off of the mystery of the fact that nobody knew what was going to happen in the... uh, in the next Since the days next of Agatha around. Christie and before. Mystery <laughs> has intrigued us. It has drawn us in. It has made us want more. More, 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 more. Nothing drives traffic quite like a good mystery. Yep. And in 1916, Asa Candler was elected mayor of Atlanta. 
Three years later, he sold the company to a group of investors led by Ernest Woodruff for $25 million in 1916. Wasn't it like 2300 when Asa bought it? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's a profit right there. Yeah. The formula was being used as collateral for the loan. So the bank kept it in New York, sealed in a vault for six years. And then after those six years, it was brought home to Atlanta to much fanfare. Yes, bring it home. Yes, bringing it home back back to Atlanta. And I think that's still a source of pride for Atlantans. It is, it is. Here, that, that, that we're home of Coke mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So another reason the formula was so valued and protected was because there grew a rise of in imitators. Yes. They say that imitation is the highest form of flattery, but in business it can mean lawsuits. <laughs> Bad idea. So several imitated the logo but they could never duplicate the taste. Ah, uh, the formula. Yes, here's a few, uh, a list of a few of the imitators. Okay, and I'm not making, I'm not making this up. Some of this sounds delicious, <laughs> and some of it sounds terrible. The first one is celery cola. Not lying. Don't celery try it. cola. Um, Coke with a K, K O K E. Africola. Which actually was a really big competitor at the time, or an imitator at the time, Africola. Sherry Coke, uh, Cola Nip, My Coca, uh, Cherry Coke with C O Q. How clever is that? And Red Seal <laughs> Cherry Coke. Yes, that's, they can always think it. The, the, our laws are really interesting. Uh, if you ever look at anybody that is breaking the law, they make the script, uh, the logo as close as they can. But they change one thing. And in the name, they'll make it as close as they can, but they'll change one thing just so they can't be sued. Like, right. Like, they can still be sued. But Not to mention the fact that you lose major points if you have to piggyback off something else yeah. like that. Now, Coca-Cola was militant about its brand. And they began to advertise this fact, even offering a reward for any company Ooh. found selling imitation Coke under the Coca-Cola label. Wow. Now, warnings were made public in their advertising, thus perpetuating the mystery and the brand. And creating a worldwide narc net. <laughs> yes. Everybody was... Not- and in response, newspapers began running articles fueled by rumors that Pemberton didn't create the formula by himself, as others had claimed credit. Around the world, in Scotland, Spain, India, and even in the great state of Tennessee. That's awfully close. Mm. People started to sell (laughs) fake formulas to companies. Diva Brown became a minor celebrity selling her version. Yes. And in 1977, an Atlanta newspaper published a, quote, real, end quote, formula. Mm. For those of you that don't have this on video, I'm putting finger quotes <laughs> in the air. In 2011, a radio DJ did a show on air trying to recreate Coke with one of the fake recipes. Now, I actually have that recipe. Are you serious? Yes. Um, Why does that not surprise uh, me? I have the one from that show, and uh, I'll add it as bonus content. Uh, on our smartphone app. For Are those you encouraging of you, our listeners for those to try of you to that would like to, to, to try an imitator? It. Uh, however, if you would like to try it and you have any questions, you can you can email us about it. I do have more information about how to make it at home. But seriously, it's try at your own risk. I have not tried to to do anything with this formula. Now, 
Coke responded to the radio segment by saying, ah, oh, nice try, but not quite. And Yeah, and I wanted to preface another thing by saying this is a recipe for Coca-Cola to try at home, not Coke. Yeah. Well, very different. The there is a big possibility that this is an actual real formula for Coke. Um, the uh, the newspaper that put it out was the AJC, which if you're in Atlanta, that's the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Um, and what it was was they had a picture, and in the picture, you could see a book that had it listed on it. Um, now. This there's a lot of research. If you if you go through and listen to the radio show, which I did, um, you, you can hear the, the where it came from. So, is it really the formula for Coke? It probably is a formula for Coke. Yes, but, but it is missing the tears from their is, elders and the other magical ingredients. It's not. It's definitely not the one that we use now because this recipe has alcohol in it, which Ooh. means it was before. Temperance. So while it while a ser- you, <laughs> now it's a captive coke. You're welcome to to download it on the app, try it out at home, but it's not going to taste like yeah. Drink coke responsibly. Like yours. <laughs> With all of these these Im- imitations, the people that did try to do an imitation, Coke one again and again and again, driving out all the other would be colas out of business, further establishing the Coca Cola brand in the minds of people. Now, another opportunity that came out of this imitation frenzy, you know how people get on a a, a roll every once in a while where this is the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Copying Coca-Cola was the thing to do at that time, um, which is kind of flattering to Coca-Cola, right? Imitation is a sincere um, form of flattery. But w- one thing that came out of this that was very, very positive, uh, besides the fact that it reinforced that Coke was best because everybody was trying to, Im- to imitate it. The other thing that came out of it was the bottle. So they wanted to develop a bottle that was so unique that you would know it's the real thing, that it was authentic, which was also a campaign slogan that they used, Coke, Coke. it's It's the the real real thing. thing. That's right. (laughs) So That's fancy. Now, we know how they sold the bottling rights in a previous episode. If you haven't checked it out, you should do though. You should do so. You're behind. But <laughs> these bottlers were independent and only licensed to Coca-Cola, so they used any manner of bottles. Yes, they used um, a lot of times they would use recycled beer bottles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would use they would use it, it would, whatever they it, had. It would scare you. These bottles were not necessarily new. They were clean that's remember uh you may not be old enough to remember those of you that are gen xers if you remember when we used to re- we take bottles back and get 10 cents it, I, it was five do you remember that it five, well it's five cents it depends on five. what bottle you had uh, <laughs> but that that yes. recycling was so that they could reuse those bottles so but before I, we diverge into all of that back in the day if you reached into a cooler filled with ice and soft drinks, you couldn't tell one bottle from the other until you brought it out in order to, to read it. And even then, there was no consistency among the labels. You never knew what you were going to get because it all depended on the bottler. Right. But So Coca-Cola set out a challenge to the bottling companies. Develop a unique bottle. Mm-hmm. And the contour bottle that we all know and love was... You have, you have one right there. I do. I do. The contour bottle that we all know and love was designed in 1915 by the Root Glass Company of Terre Haute, Indiana. 
and it became a standard. But again, that was in 1915. It wasn't trademarked until 1977. And when it was trademarked, they started using the bottle in their marketing. Everywhere. And it became a symbol of the brand. It became an icon. Is it shaped like a lady? That is, well. Is that a rumor? A rumor? There's so many rumors. Every good brand has a rumor. Um, Because it's hourglass. Well, this one's boxy, kind of like me. But the rest (laughs) of like the old bottles were like. The idea, there's actually um, several examples of what the contoured bottle looks like. It didn't start off looking like this. It was was actually very bulbous at the top and Mm -hmm. smaller at the bottom. Um, that is not me. That is the, if you turn so, it upside down, that's me. So, did it start off as the shape of a woman? That, that sounds nice. Is that true or not? I don't know. But it was a very recognizable. It was just supposed to be very recognizable, different. unique bottle at the time. And so they started using the shape of that bottle once they finally settled on what it was. They used it in their point of sales materials. You know, calendars, thermometers, lamps, uh, displays, signage, all of the stuff, the B two B stuff that that we talked about when you go into a, um, a a shop to get coke which then you know yeah, the pharmacy or, wherever. or the gas station after a while when they stopped doing fountain drinks as much mm-hmm. um, they used it all over the place there they used it in print ads and tv ads and in and, and everywhere now you don't even need to say the name to know who it is you show the, the a silhouette of the bottle like we did in our very first uh promo ad that kind of introduced mm-hmm. this uh the series yeah, yeah. we had uh when it, it, it first it was the the 2001 <laughs> thing yeah and we introduced with the silhouette you knew who it was immediately and it wasn't it true though i think i don't know if we mentioned it in, in the podcast uh, before or if it's just something i've read didn't coca-cola also have a hand in kind of inventing the like little cooler the coolers uh, I don't know if they had a hand in inventing it. They were definitely a big proponent of using it. Um, okay. Uh, I, I know, know they had the talked, like bicycles with coolers on the back yes, for delivery. Yes, and- that was. I don't think they they actually made the the cooler itself, yeah. but they definitely made different ways to use it. The carts and the bicycles yeah. and all. I'm of gonna that, double yeah. check on that because my brain is telling me something. So. Prepare for yourselves for a correction in a future episode or on social media if I'm right, wrong, whatever. So, but I just had this. Either way, you, though, you just made a commitment to our audience. I did. I did. I will. I will own it. <laughs> Hold her to it. I will own it. But that's the thing, because I mean, with coolers, because you're you're absolutely right. It went from bottling now, and is from from fountain drinks to bottling. So, so anyway, the leadership of the company was passed to Robert Woodruff in 1923. He was. 33 years old. Mm-hmm. You imagine. That's a lot going to a 33-year-old. Mm, true. I mean, I, I don't think I could be responsible to even like pay off my car at 33. But anyway, his father... You weren't 23. You're 33. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, his father, Ernest Woodruff, who led the company of investors that bought the company from Candler, didn't care anything about running the company. Under his leadership, by the 40s and 50s, the company had grown to be very international, and it was the most distributed product in the world. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the 40s Woodruff and the expansion. Particularly, I want to talk about 
World War Two. Okay. I just got done seeing Midway oh, in the geez. theater. If you have not gone to see that movie, it is the best World War Two aerial combat movie that I have seen. And let me let me say, best meaning to look at. Okay, well, we're going to talk more about that. <laughs> Maybe not Midway, but we're going to talk a little bit more about World War Two right after we take a break and hear from our sponsor. Okay, sponsors it is. Mm. Straight Shot is brought to you by Reformation Productions, a full-service marketing agency in Atlanta, Georgia, helping companies promote and communicate their business in the most efficient and effective ways possible through straight-line marketing. Find out more by visiting reformationpro.com or call 678-825-8086. Reformation Productions. Think in straight lines. Welcome back, <laughs> Zachary. You were just wanting to launch into a tirade about World War II. World War II and the movie that know, I just saw. Midway. Yes. Just came out. He took his son to the vi- to the uh, video store. <laughs> How old am I? He just took his son to the theater to see Midway, and he was very blown away by it. Um, and as you know, getting back on subject... World War II was a global war, which started in 1939 and lasted through 1945, and it affected everyone. Yes, uh, and during World War II, Woodruff was faced with sugar shortages. Sugar (gasps) was imported. It's a big big thing for him. (laughs) uh, It it was a prime ingredient in Coca-Cola. If you look at the recipe that we just talked about, there's a lot of sugar in it. So that was This is a Coke Zero. Look at me. I'm like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That was a a big problem for him. So he went to the government to convince them that Coke was a wartime necessity. (laughs) And... He was able to do it. It worked. He was able to do it because of the company's branding. Coca-Cola had become as American as As apple apple pie. pie. It was synonymous with American pastime and enjoying life. And he won exclusive rights to be sold in training camps. Not only that, but any Coca-Cola that went to the troops was exempt from sugar rationing. Two birds, one stone right there. Not only does he get to sell more product, but he gets to do it without having all the... Yeah, he has an exclusive contract. Brilliant. And under the leadership of of Robert Woodruff, 64 bottling plants were established in Europe, Africa, and the Pacific, so that over the course of the war, Coke would be given to GIs to remind them of home, America. Yep. Brilliant. Coke also donated games like ping pong, checkers, bingo, etc., whatever, to help them enjoy their R&R. Coca-Cola was considered a morale booster in World War II. It was a taste of home, and it became, again, an icon to the GI. Coke was devoted to them, and therefore they were devoted to Coke. Just as smart as Harley Davidson's at the time, and for the same reason. Yes, yes. Very much like uh, like uh, we, we discussed uh, about Harley Davidson doing that with their contract they had with the government during the war. Now, side note to our story. Yes. Do you know Fanta? Don't you wanna wanna Fanta? Yes, I do. I <laughs> know right. Fanta. Fanta came about because Amer- when America entered the war, mm. the company... Coca-Cola stopped supplying syrup to Nazi Germany. Take that, Nazis! So, right up, right, well, 
<laughs> all through the war until America got involved, they were supplying Coca-Cola syrup to Nazi Germany. But after America got in to the war, so after Pearl Harbor, no more syrup for you Nazis. So what happened is the bottlers <laughs> in Germany started using leftover fruit from uh, making cider and lollipops and that sort of thing. And they were using that instead of Coca-Cola syrup. And that's how Fanta was made. So Fanta's now, made over from leftover crap? <laughs> from leftover fruit, which is why it's orange, okay. it's lemon, it's all these different gotcha. flavors. That's why. Lollipop uh, flavors. Now, the name Fanta comes from the German Fantasy? Fantasy? No, come on now. I want to know how you're going to pronounce this. Ask Siri how to pronounce it. Okay, hold on. Let's do this. We're going to do this. It means imagination. Siri, how do you pronounce... I didn't get that. Ah! Could you try again? Ah! Okay. Siri, what is imagination in German? Fantasy. 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 Fanta you go now. It's from the German word fantasy. <laughs> so <laughs> when uh, they named it through an employee contest, just like Coca-Cola had done with the bottle, right? Where they challenged the employees, they weren't employees, they were licensed to um, to do the bottle. This man, Max Keith, was the plant manager uh, at what became Fanta was Coca-Cola bottling over there at the time. And he told the um, employees to let their imagination run wild. And of course, when he said imagination run wild, that was fantasy, which made a salesman think of Fanta. And that's how it got his name. So let me get this straight. Max Keith, Mm -hmm. you've said this man's name. Yes. And he was just the plant manager that told people to come up with one. And the dude who you refer to as a salesman is actually the one that came up with it. <laughs> yes. And we don't know his name? No, we don't know That's his name. garbage. Um, that sounds like a graphic designer so, problem right yes, there. It, it, it was an employee contest overseen by gotcha. Mr. Keith. Uh, and the salesperson who actually thought of the name, no nobody res- cares no, about. No, no respect. I'm sorry, Mr. Salesman, uh, I care. Now, after the war. Even though you're a Nazi. After the war, Coke came back to Germany. And Fanta came to Coca-Cola. <laughs> Willkommen! So, that's how, we, that's how we get Well, Fanta. today, more than 70% of Coke's revenue uh, is from international markets. Mm-hmm. Their global expansion led them to support the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So, and since 1928, they have been Olympics' longest-running sponsor. So, having said that, now that we've segued away from Nazis for a moment, <laughs> Zachary, what is today's straight shot? In today's episode, you can see how the brand was developed over time. Their advertising started as, you know, this is medicine, right? And then it grew to the promise of great taste and then enjoying life with Coca-Cola. Since then, it has been ever-changing with society in the lifestyles of the day, but always a companion to good times. And this became the focus of of the brand. Now, yes. other brand attributes included uh, its uniqueness, meaning its uh, taste formula, the bottle, bottle shape. Um, the reach and diversity of their customers, because not all businesses can go all across the world the way that Coca-Cola would be able to. So uh, the important takeaway, I guess, from this lesson would be that branding works. Okay. Branding gives you value. It gives you preference in the marketplace. 
it gives you longevity as a company. Now, we accomplish branding in a bit of a more scientific way nowadays. Uh, they did it over time. A long now, period of time. Now we have you know, lessons from companies like this where we have learned how to do it. Thank you for your failure, Coke. a smaller uh, amount of time. But uh, a dedication to brand communication and creative strategy to showcase those communications is what built the Coca-Cola empire. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we were lucky enough to, you know, we meaning today, our marketers in general, are lucky enough to build some of our best campaigns on the backs of these huge brands' failures, learning from them. Sure, uh, and their successes as well. And their successes. The things that they use to uh, trial and error things, we can now just do and know what's successful. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, uh, particularly on this show, um, you'll notice I, I pull from the history of the companies that came from us quite a bit because, uh, you know, I've spent a, a lot of time. I, I've been several years in this industry and and I have firsthand seen things that have gone on with lots of companies because I'm old enough to have 107 worked, years have old worked on several companies. But uh, we can also look and discuss things that are relatable to other people. Uh, outside of my own experience by talking about these bigger, larger brands that everybody knows. Everybody knows Coca-Cola. Everybody knows Harley-Davidson. So. Yeah, and I think uh, um, uh, the the takeaway that you were saying about the straight shot is branding and how very vital, vitally important it is. I think another thing that I've pulled from today's episode is just the, the talk of of the failures and successes and how every business has them. So if you come across um, certain failures in your business, don't let that discourage you from taking steps forward, course correcting sure. and, and reevaluating. If, if you think about, there, there's really two things related to that in this episode. One was um, the sugarcane shortage, right? Pepsi freaked out. If you if you want to if you want to see the opposite of, of what Coca Cola did, look Coke's at what, like, hey, look at how what can Pepsi we adjust did. and overcome? Um, so that was obviously a problem, a setback that they found a way to to overcome off the strength of the brand. The other thing is the on a smaller level, the Coca Cola bottling company in Germany couldn't get the syrup to make their main product anymore. And they found a way to adapt and overcome, which built an entirely new product that's still here today. So yes. adapt and overcome, that's a, another think, very, very good point. And Knowing I think what that is do. another podcast ap- episode idea, sure. is the talking about failures. Because I think it's very important for these business owners to understand that failure is all part of the plan, um, even though no one plans for failure. <laughs> you want to think about that? Hmm. In the next episode, however, we are not talking about failures. We are going to talk about what happens when the empire is threatened. It's the Cola Wars. (laughs) I think everybody likes learning about the Cola Wars. I think a lot of us know a little bit about it, but maybe not enough. If they they didn't live through it, they learned about it through Billy Joel. I mean, Coca-Cola Wars, I can't take it anymore. Okay. You won't want to miss it, so be sure to subscribe on your on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts, or you can download the Straight Shot uh, Marketing Podcast app from your smartphone's app store. Yes. Or you can text the words reformation, reformation to 90210, and we'll send you text notifications every time a new episode is released. Yes. Uh, and don't forget to comment on our promo videos in our social media accounts on Facebook and Instagram. Let us know what you think about them. We always like to put out little teaser videos before each one of our uh, podcasts. And a lot of times they are very ridiculous and many yeah. of them embarrass me. 
immensely. If you if you're not set up on our uh, following our social Facebook, media, you, you may not have seen them. If you just are subscribed to the podcast, we do these teaser promo videos, which are very creative. It's yeah, very interesting. I, I think what are we? Uh, straight shot on Facebook, straight shot podcast on Instagram. Um, and all on uh, straightshot.net, there's links to all of them. Yeah, go to our so, website yeah. for all those links because I, I can't possibly be expected I to think, remember everything about us. I think it is is straightshot. Uh, it's on Facebook. So facebook.com slash straightshot. And on Instagram, it's straightshot podcast. I think you're right. Whatever. We're easy to find. Google us. That's fine. <laughs> but check out our teaser videos and our promo videos for each one of our podcasts that come up because they're, they're kind of fun. They're kind of enjoyable. And if you have seen some of them, let us know what you think. Let us know if you think they're funny. If you think they're really funny, share them with your friends, <laughs> even though they're very embarrassing for me. Anyway, until next time, guys. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast informative, we hope you'll pass along our web address, straightshot.net to your friends, colleagues, and business associates. And please leave us a positive review on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash straightshot. If you would like to have your question featured on the show or would like to be a guest, call 678-825-8086, extension 300. Or you can email us at info at straightshot.net. Be sure to download the Straight Shot Podcast app on your smartphone to hear previous and new shows. This has been Straight Shot. <laughs>